0: Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode I'm joined by the founder and CEO of Lanolips, Kirsten Cariol. Kirsten Cariol didn't grow up around beauty in the traditional sense, however her upbringing was instrumental in the creation of her brand. Her father, a molecular scientist, and her grandparents, sheep farmers, taught Kirsten the benefits of lanolin as a child. Lanolin was their cure for just about everything. Passionate about beauty, Kirsten grew to travel across the globe, trying just about every beauty product she passed along the way, before returning to Australia and launching her own beauty PR company. Despite having access to the world's best products and trialling them all, Kirsten still wasn't satisfied with the level of hydration her existing lip balms and skincare products were delivering. It was on her way to the airport after her wedding that Kirsten realised the answer had quite literally been in front of her all along. Lanolin. While the concept and name came to her almost instantly, the first incarnation of lanolips took six years to bring to life. Given that Kirsten herself had spent much of her teens and adult life distancing herself from lanolin, she was well aware that she was going to have to work hard to change the public perception of what had been viewed as a bit of an old and unfashionable ingredient. The key was education, something Kirsten dedicated another five years to. Five years sitting down one-on-one with just about every beauty editor in the world. Kirsten succeeded thanks to persistence, passion, and a line of products that genuinely do what they say they will do. Lano, now composed of a line of face and body products beyond the original Lano Lips, is useful, no-nonsense, and stocked in all of the world's biggest beauty retailers. As per episode 40 with Jouet's Christina Zilba. This episode was recorded before we entered any stages of isolation so you won't hear references to the current climate. I've been listening and what you've asked me for is an escape because beauty makes you feel good so even when we do get into the remote recordings I am going to work very hard to keep delivering on that promise. I visited Kirsten at her home in Sydney to discuss why some of the world's best-selling lip products aren't actually helping your lips at all, her favourite unconventional uses for Lano's Cult 101 ointment, and how the world of digital means that public opinion in the beauty space has a voice independent of traditional press. Your Childhood wasn't spent in the beauty industry per se, because your grandparents had a sheep farm and your dad was a molecular scientist. That in mind, what did you think you would be when you grew up?
1: I had no idea. Um, <laughs> not a I sheep knew, farmer. Uh, no, not a farmer. Um, my 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 brother and sister were exceptionally bright; so they're mm-hmm. really academic. So I was like the dumb one. In <laughs> inverted commas. I knew that, but that's okay. Um, and my parents did not know what how to guide me because they were both academics. Right. So the most we could come up with when I left, finished year twelve, was going into an inverted commas business. Mm-hmm. Like that was pretty as specific as it got. Yep. And I always kind of enjoyed communicating with people, and I felt i mean I'm I'm really good with connecting with people. So. For me, I thought, well, I'm a people person, even though I can be really introverted, but I thought, well, what's a people thing? And I I heard the word human resources. So I thought, I'll try that. So that's what I ended up studying when I left high school, human resource management and industrial relations and marketing. Um, And the marketing I loved and the HR I hated. So Uh that's the beginning. So in answer to your first question, I had no idea.
0: Which is kind of a nice thing because yeah. then the world's sort of your oyster.
1: Yeah, but it would have nice, been nice to have some really clear direction. Like my sister yeah. from the age of five was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And she is. There so it would have be been nice to have had that. But I found my own way.
0: Yeah, I fall into that category of just strange people That at age five. I was like, I'm going to work in the media.
1: Did you? Yeah,
0: weird kid. You just knew. Weird kid. So you didn't know what you wanted to do. Do you have any early memories of beauty?
1: Um, I, my earliest memory of my own beauty was Fragrance, the Christian mm. Dior Poison. Oh, awesome. I don't know how you were meant to say it. Um, which I loved. And then I, being in Adelaide, I was very disconnected. Well, I felt very disconnected from the world. So mm-hmm. I started to buy international magazines really young.
0: Okay. I kind of went
1: from Dolly to English L. I just skipped oh, that the whole cool thing. <laughs> I don't I just kind of felt connected to the world that way And I had some really cool friends at high school And they were like reading Follow Me And some of the ah. really the cool And I was like, oh, there's a whole world out there And it was the whole beginning of the Kate Moss thing It was like the end of the original uh, Supermodel yeah. era And the beginning of Grunge Yeah, And um, and I started to read the magazines And that's where I started to notice beauty And I did notice Poppy Lipsticks straight away mm-hmm. That was one of the first Things I noticed, and I remember the very first article of Poppy. I was on that phone, like I need these lipsticks,
0: ah. calling around,
1: and you could only get them in Melbourne. So I went to Melbourne to buy them.
0: Good um, God, that's a decent trip. Yeah. For
1: well, there were other things there, but it was my first stopover. Like it was definitely wow. my first thing. So I just loved. Um, I found it fun, and I could yeah. afford it. Like I couldn't afford. The fashion at all I would never even looked at the fashion but I could afford a lipstick
0: yeah it's a nice like entryway yeah. into into luxury and
1: it really beauty defines fashion and eras just as much as fashion does mm. so when you look at beauty looks where there's eyebrows 100%. or the way the skin finishes or the way you match your lips whatever it is beauty is as definitive of an era than fashion
0: yeah I completely agree with that I think that's what drew me to it in the first place oh,
1: really mm,
0: couldn't agree more Given that your grandparents were sheep farmers, I understand that you you spend a lot of time in that environment. So you had an understanding of what lanolin I was about to say was but what it is yeah do you remember the moment or the age when you first kind of realized what it could actually do for the skin specifically
1: I don't remember not knowing ah, I okay. always knew I always from the littlest age when you have the, your colds and you get the dry lips you know those mm-hmm. children you say with those like red collated sort of skin um, we always went to bed with lanolin on our lips so for ah. me it was always kind of a hydrator it was the the only one we ever used Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I never remember a time without it, to be honest.
0: And I read that even though you grew up, that was like the one thing that you used. Eventually you kind of started to distance yourself from it and you've, you've called yeah. yourself a beauty junkie and you just wanted to try every product. Yeah. Why do you think that was?
1: I just figured that because I had grown up with it and it was from the farm and, um, you know, we weren't a rich family. We were just getting, mm-hmm. you know, normal, normal family. Um, you always figure that there's a whole world of things out there that are much better. Yeah. And I wanted to discover all those things. So, and through beauty, I could afford to do that. Mm. And beauty was fun. Having said that, I I ended up becoming a total beauty junkie, but never in skincare. Okay. I... I was always a massive cynic with skincare, and that was from mm-hmm. the upbringing, the scientific background that I had. Yeah, um, I was never drawn into the pseudoscience part, so my skincare was always pretty basic. And I actually could not tell you what I used on my face between the age of eighteen and thirty-one. I really don't. There was just nothing. <laughs> it was just whatever was cheap and there. I, I just like just. I just don't believe anything. But yeah, color was a different story. Mm-hmm. Highlighters, lipsticks, like I just loved all that.
0: Did did that time that you were a beauty junkie. Did that coincide with your PR career? Because I understand after you studied business in inverted commas, you got a job in PR and then went on to launch your own beauty PR company. Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: So we – I was a beauty junkie before I got into PR. Okay. Um, I got, was a beauty junkie and then parallel to that I got into a job which was in a branding agency in marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just happened to have a few beauty brands on their books. At the time there was a brand called Prestige Cosmetics. Yes. Um, and Kiss Makeup. And I just was naturally really good at it. And I think mm. I, I just knew what the journalists how they wanted the story to be presented so I could talk about you know I remember a lip collection we launched and it was all berry colored so I knew kind of how to do the centre. I just kind of knew how to present it because good skills. yeah be naturally I just good kind at. of loved it and passionate and I knew what to do yeah it came it was really easy for me um and then I you know ended up as you know I ended up starting my own agency mm-hmm. and then and then actually met my husband who's in was in beauty at the time yeah. as well. So Serendipity. Yeah, I really tried everything and I've really seen it all, 100% seen it all.
0: You also spent about two years living and working in London. Yes. Did you notice any differences, big or small, between the way the UK were approaching business and beauty compared to Australia?
1: It's interesting you say that because um, I hadn't – Started my world of beauty in depth in London. Mm-hmm. Having said that, when I was in London, it was the time that Space NK first launched.
0: Oh, okay. Um, I was actually
1: Ooh. just working as in restaurants in um, in London. I was having nothing to do with beauty, but um, I loved Space NK, mm. and it was the early exciting days of indie brands yep. being in Space NK. Um, so that for me was my happy space. Mm. Uh, so my time in London and beauty is really tied to that early space in K years. God. And then when I came back to Sydney, nothing was here. So I ended mm. up buying, um, you know, I'd buy Harper's Bazaar US and Harper's, you know, L UK. And I would just get on the phone and go top 10 beauty buys for 2000 and whatever, to, no, 1995. <laughs> and I'd literally call the department stores and order over the phone. Wow. I want these five top five things, just send it to me. I would do mail order over the phone to get the top five buys of the season.
0: God, people now wouldn't even realise you can call a department. No, store. I
1: know. What well, there's a they, what's a phone? No, but it was the only way then. I remember yeah. ticking them off as they arrived. Oh. Got, yep, all done.
0: It's at Christmas. I still feel like that when something I'm really excited about arrives. Me too. Like when your products arrive. That's oh, the best feeling. Thanks. It's very exciting. But we, we will get to that because <laughs> you've always got exciting things on the horizon. So at what point I'm kind of jumping ahead a bit. At what point did you kind of come back to lanolin? You'd used it your whole life, then you went through, you started working in PR, you tried all of the beauty products, you gave everything a go. When did you start to kind of turn the corner and go, oh, actually, I had the answer in front of me the whole time?
1: Yeah, I can remember the moment. And it wasn't like I'd never considered starting my own brand. Okay. Mm, The thought had not crossed my mind at all um however I was in a a cab going to the airport we've just been just been married yeah and I was on the way to the airport and I was like oh it's gonna be so dry my lips are gonna get so dry and I was like huh like hang on I've tried everything and my lips are still dry (laughs) (laughs) so maybe um maybe lanolin is actually better than all these things I have been using for the last 15 years oh, don't you
0: hate when your family's right yeah oh,
1: I know my like, like, dad was right the whole time <laughs> <laughs> everything I else I've been using until now has been a waste of time which isn't exactly true but when it comes to <laughs> hydration I now believe it to be true mm. um, so that was the moment in the taxi and whenever I drive past that spot whenever I'm I remember exactly I said this is the spot I had the idea and the name came to me immediately and I just knew that was it it was like literally like being struck with a bolt of lightning.
0: God, well, I was going to ask you to talk me through coming up with the concept, but it's it's all just hit you at once. Absolutely. Everything hit me. It was just a done deal from that moment. Wow. So that was 2003, yes? That was 2003. Amazing. I understand. Obviously, like I assume everyone's tried your products, but oh. for those who haven't, not, or not all lanolin products are made equally. Yeah. Yours is the best amazing quality. Obviously, that was, you know, going to be part of the story from day one. It needed to be the best lanolin. When you were starting to really think about the products, what other parameters did you have in place? What were your non-negotiables?
1: My non-negotiables were that it had to be as high percentage of lanolin as possible yeah and if something else had to be in it there had to be a really good reason for it to be there okay so my 101 that's how my 101 ended up just being lanolin because there was no other good reason for anything else to be in it yeah because it was about just being a super hydrator Mm -hmm. and i said to my dad at the time i said what else do you think i should put with it Mm -hmm. um as like a multi-purpose balm and he's like well why do you need to put anything (laughs) with it it's like lanolin does." all of that Smart job, man. it's like, yeah, okay, all right, well, let's just do that. And then um, the other thing it had to be was it had to be an enjoyable experience to use. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can get some kind of lanolin for nipple cream, but it's like this ugly tube, it's sticky, it's, it's impractical. I mean, there's so many reasons why it wasn't beautiful in your handbag yeah. and not an enjoyable experience to use. And having used so many beautiful products, I think that, being in having beauty products and it is a real luxury and the experience is kind of really part of the enjoyment of being a woman mm-hmm. and if you choose to use beauty then that's whole part of the whole process yeah is the beautiful tube and the way it comes onto your lips. So for me how it was delivered was really important. Mm-hmm. Um and it had to be natural.
0: Yes very important. Yeah.
1: For me, I was always taught that nature has the best ingredients Mm -hmm. for everything already and if you want something synthetic in there, it's generally to make it cheaper or um, to create confusion with the consumer or... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's obviously some t- times when you need synthetics, like for some kind of skin problems, you yeah. th- might be best treated with synthetic ingredients, but in terms of hydration, there was nothing else needed. There's
0: no reason for no. it. I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to ask you about this. Obviously, we all know that a natural product is a great thing. An Australian product is a wonderful thing. But we also know how many products exist that, you know, don't fall inside those lines, whether that is because it's too hard or because it's too expensive. You've obviously chosen to go what I believe to be the right way. My question for you is, was it difficult finding a manufacturer that understood that yeah. you, this is the way it needed to be because I imagine there'd be a bit of pushback.
1: Yeah, it was impossible in 2003. Yeah. It was actually the reason why it took me so long. I started off by opening the Yellow Pages and yep. finding manufacturers. The Yellow Pages is yeah. a book. Yeah, <laughs> if you heard of it? It's this big book. It's made of paper. And it's mm-hmm. full of phone numbers. Yeah. And you find things. It was basically pay for Google. And <laughs> I should mention
0: we're having a rosé as we do this recording <laughs> Sorry, in case they love. can hear clinking. <laughs> so you went through the Yellow Pages. I went through the
1: Yellow Pages um, and I had been in PR so I knew how to do a bit of talking at this point. Mm-hmm. So I did manage to get some appointments. So I called a few manufacturers and said hey I'm making this thing it's lanolin based can I meet with you and they all pretty much took a first meeting so I went down right. to Melbourne they were all in Melbourne and I sat down and I showed them my concept and I was like this is going to be all lanolin and it's going to be all like natural and they're like yeah yeah great great yeah no but we're not making it for you because oh, you're God. just too small. And what they wanted, they were really happy if I was to walk in there and take a formula that already existed on their shelf. And I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, mm. but there's these, They sit there in their labs and they've got existing formulas. If you want to walk in, say, I'll take that, please. Here's my label. They all take your
0: business. That's so, I didn't know about this until I started doing this podcast. It's yeah. It's crazy to me.
1: I know. I'm, I was like, that's that." That's just nuts. Mm. And they all, or they were happy to take something and change it a small amount. Yeah. But the level of lanolin that I wanted to work with, it just didn't exist. And they just didn't want to be bothered doing the work. Mm. Um, Even to the point, one of the biggest manufacturers, he actually said to me, this older guy, he's like, You know, when I was doing this business in the 1970s, the first lip glosses I ever made, they were all lanolin. There you go. Because that's what got all the shine. Mm But we just, ...don't do that now, I'm not comfortable, sorry, can't do it. So then my journey took me to um, working with a cosmetic chemist... ...because Mm -hmm. I was kind of really losing my way. And he found this fancy manufacturer in Italy... ...and I was just so lucky they even looked at it. He pulled all these strings and how lucky I was. And they came back and their response was, here's our formula... What we suggest is putting 3% lanolin in it because then you can say it's got lanolin in it. Oh my God. But you don't need to use that I just much. had a full body reaction. Oh, right. To that. It's like, what the <laughs> hell? And I, I remember going, but my head was exploding. I'm like, you, no
0: one understands me. I just can't imagine the conversation of you walking in and saying, so I want to create a product and I want it to be 100% lanolin. And them <laughs> saying, Yes, that sounds great. What we will change is we will uh, make it 3%. We will change everything. <laughs> so we like your idea. We're going to uh, do something different.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're going to do something completely different. Oh my and God. you are lucky to be in the room with me. Oh, So it was a really frustrating process. Um, but, you know, there are many other turns I took and left yeah. and right and up and down until I eventually got to what I wanted.
0: Well, that process took something like – Nine <laughs> six years, six years, six years to bring to life. Am I right in saying you were doing pretty much everything yourself?
1: Yeah. Oh so, and I had my I had my PR company, and we were heaving at yeah. that point. It was pumping. Six um, years is such a long time. And I had two children at that time. Oh, I, well, I technically three because the PR company two, is. Yep. So yep. I gave birth to two children, Um but I I never, you know what I think. People ask what's the secret of success and I think the number one thing is you have to be so passionate about your idea yeah. that when things get hard and they, and they will, you still keep going
0: because
1: yeah. it's only that that keeps you going. Mm. When things get really hard, it's really only your absolute love of it and belief in it that keeps you
0: going. Keeps you going for six years. Six and years, years and, yeah. Yeah. This is probably a difficult question to answer because there's really – no way of knowing what would have come from the alternative. Obviously the pros of you kind of doing it yourself is that you got to have complete control and the final say was always yours. The brand is perfect, as you know I'm (laughs) obsessed with it. However, if you had your time over, do you think you would have done anything differently, perhaps just to bring it to life sooner? Was there anything you would potentially tweak
1: yeah, look, I I've, I've made plenty of mistakes. Um, we all have. <laughs> yeah, I've made heaps, and I I'm, I'm not ashamed of any of them. Um, I've learned from hopefully every single one, but. Honestly, when I look at the mistakes I've made, I, I sometimes I will rewind. I put myself in the back in that exact position again. I give myself the facts I knew at that time, and I think, would I have made those same that mm-hmm. same decision? And mostly, I would have. Yeah. So I just think that the, that yes, they're mistakes in retrospect, but at that time, it was still probably that the correct decision mm. given the information you had. So um, one thing I would always regret though is not bringing it to life sooner. Yeah. Um, that's probably my biggest regret. Um, and everything else are learnings.
0: To yeah. be honest, yeah, yeah, it's a nice way of looking at things like that. When you when you had the finished product, which took that long, <laughs> worth it. You started approaching retailers. My understanding of that is that every single person said yes to you: Maya, David Jones, Priceline, all the big guns. Did that change the plan at all? Because I imagine having that many major retailers want to bring your brand on it might change the manufacturing process it would probably change a couple of things
1: uh it actually didn't okay because the minimum quantities you have to make
0: of course were so huge mm. anyway
1: and that was just one of the risks um small businesses owners have to take when they're making when they are manufacturing yeah um the minimums were really high so mm-hmm. I just went through it faster. Yeah, um, like pretty much straight away the first time. Um, so Which that was is kind good. of a nice problem. Yeah, it was a nice problem to have. So no, that didn't change it. It, um, but it was a certainly it wasn't a slow build in mm-hmm. terms of launching. It was an immediate launch.
0: Like yeah, I mean when the products out. are good. Thanks. That's Jenna. what happens. <laughs> My yes. pleasure. Keep going. <laughs> so lanolin as an ingredient prior to your launch, it was kind of. I mean, I can't even think of the word for it, but kind of like an older, more traditional, natural ingredient and one that you had, I mean, sort of distanced yourself from. How did you go about changing public perception of lanolin and making it this cool ingredient?
1: That was really a lot of elbow grease. So Mm -hmm. um, I, having been in PR, knew how to... um, I wouldn't say spin a message because for the first time in my life I felt like I wasn't spinning a message. Oh,
0: what a nice feeling.
1: Which was so amazing because, you know, PR, you're spinning yeah. all, all the time. Um, and for the first time I was so passionate and didn't have to spin anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I knew how to how the messages got to the public. And right. at that time, there was no social media. When I launched, there, yeah. was, there was nothing. It was the infancy of blogs. So blogs had just started. Okay. And that was a big part of me entering the UK market were, were the first part of blogs. And, and that was amazing actually, because for me, blogs allowed my brand to blossom through social media, probably in one of the earliest brands that ever blossomed through social media. Because prior to that, it was 100% just press yeah. who could say, if your brand was good or not Mm. and you are really just hoping that they like it yeah you have no control whereas suddenly when blogs started in 2008 and 2009 public opinion started to have a voice
0: yeah independently
1: of beauty writers and um i my product really worked like nothing that Mm. had been seen before so um I really targeted a few blogs that I had seen pop up and I just got mm-hmm. it to them and they went nuts for it and mm-hmm. suddenly and there was only a few blogs so they were really powerful yeah. and suddenly before you know it boots had seen it in the UK oh K blog God. and then I get boots so um I can't remember your
0: question, I'm sorry. Um, I can't remember it either. I think I was asking about changing the public way the public... So, yeah. Okay,
1: right. So I basically had to sit down and talk through lanolin with every single person it's i It's an education It was an education. Yeah. So I had my vintage lanolin book, which had a few paragraphs that I loved. Mm-hmm. I had whole bunch of research papers my dad had pulled for me from the academic journals Mm -hmm. um i had the facts about it being used in hospitals around the world yeah i had um some debunking myths about stuff that had been left over from the 60s and 70s Mm -hmm. that had given it a bad name and all all i needed to do was present all of that information and my job was done but that Mm. was a very much a one-on-one like i could never put this in a press release and send it out to everyone and they would read it it was impossible it's too dense and too thick yeah i had to sit down and And speak to every single journalist around the world for five years.
0: Yeah, I was about to say this adds to the just (laughs) in case the six years of development. Yeah, now you've got five years of education ahead
1: of you. Um, but I remember when um, about a year after we launched in the UK, one of the big journalists there wrote that because you know we we were responsible for relaunching lanolin around the world, and I I was so happy to see that. And I really feel so passionate about the ingredient that Mm. um, I wanted the ingredient to be successful as well, not just for me. But because, um, you know, every other one's success using lanolin kind of helps us succeed too because we were the first.
0: Mm. It's interesting that you brought up blogs because I do, obviously when you kind of, I mean, you created a whole new category. When you do that, education is the big part of it. With social media, if it's an Instagram caption, it's going to be like, this is the best lip balm I've ever used. But in a blog post, you have the opportunity to, you know do like a longer yeah. form thing, yeah which is so important a proper review yeah yeah yeah. yeah, so it's kind. Of, it's probably for the best that that's the way the timing. Yeah, worked I was out.
1: really lucky because now, like you said, it's more about will the photo, fo- will the tube look good in Instagram photo?
0: Yeah, which it does. Which it does. Or
1: but or does it look good on a face like a, a you know sparkly mask or something? Yeah, but that can spread a brand now. Mm-hmm. Whereas we didn't have that. We had a product that really worked. Like nothing had, no one had ever seen before, mm. and that required that more long format of explanation. Yeah, like you've said. So for us having blog. Born at that time, and the press were absolutely massively supportive as well, and they were, Which is great. you know, they were a massive part of it too. Mm. Um, but the power of the people back back then was um, the fuel behind yeah. it all, and still is, to be honest. A mm-hmm. reputation is everything.
0: Yeah, of course. On education, I keep saying to people that lanolin is what they have to be putting on everything, particularly their lips. A broad question. Why lanolin? I know I'm obsessed with it. Why is that? Why is it have we so good? We've got no. oh, yeah, plenty of time. <laughs> okay, so look, there
1: are um, – look, it can really be boiled down to one basic fact if we mm-hmm. really want to keep it quick and simple. Lanolin is – from the wool of the sheep yes so you should sure sh- shear the sheep every year you have mm-hmm. to sheep are reliant on humans to shear them every year because their hair grows continuously like human hair and if you don't shear them they can't see properly or they get all dirty and they can't move like you, it's part of self, it's part of caring for the animals the husbandry mm-hmm. side of farming so the sheep are shorn every year and as part of the cleaning of the wool process before the wool goes off to end up in your rugs and Jackets mm-hmm. and whatever. The lanolin um, is an oil that coats the wool. They boil the wool and the lanolin rises to the top. So my point of that is it's actually from an animal. Mm -hmm. So an oil from the animal molecularly is going to be far more compatible with human skin because it's mammalian Uh than any plant oil. It's a completely different molecular structure. Mm -hmm. So I recently had some research done with my dad's uni actually, different department, but we looked at the molecular structure of a whole bunch of oils. Um, We looked at rosehip oil we looked at coconut oil um we looked at petroleum jelly yeah um, <laughs> in mineral oil sorry and lanolin and mm-hmm. um but lanolin is a completely much more complex much more diverse molecular structure the other oh, it's structures are so completely simple completely yeah and hmm. i think that's the key is it it is almost identical to your own oils yeah that's why it's so great so once you've established that base then you can talk about the quality so lanolin from the sheets back is this stinky revolting mess
0: yeah we don't want that you don't want that it would be revolting
1: and also full of pesticides from farming and it could cause irritation there are many reasons why you need to you would never use
0: organic lanolin
1: ever 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 Uh unless you want to smell like a dirty old
0: sheep. This is a good point because <sighs> people read the word organic and yeah, immediately
1: go ah, it's it's This is the no, winner. Not with lanolin. No. Nope. So so there's that. And then also, um, what lanolin does it actually holds its own weight in moisture. So mm-hmm. it will hold weight it will hold moisture into inside your skin surface yeah so and it's also medically proven to penetrate as part of its the way it hydrates it actually properly penetrates down to the deepest layers whereas something like a um, mineral oil or petroleum jelly it will coat and Mm -hmm. it will just sit there it's it's not compatible it's too big a molecular structure
0: it cannot absorb i keep trying to explain this to people but my explanation is just
1: just oh. don't do it. <laughs> no, just don't do it. That's a good yeah. – okay, so it's really slippy because it's just sitting there, right? Yeah. Whereas lanolin, it feels really rich, but eventually it's kind of not there because it's actually absorbed. Yeah. And it's a barrier, so it will stop mm-hmm. your skin from losing moisture. So it's really, 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 really magical. Like it's actually properly yeah.
0: magical. I keep saying this, but now I've actually got a – You've got your reason. I just, yes.
1: It's a I properly
0: just, a magical ingredient. I can just direct them here and <laughs> – Bring them over here. Yeah, I'm set for life now. That's excellent. So the products that you launched with in 2009, and we just took a walk through the garden and saw the the spot where it was launched, which was beautiful. You launched with the 101 ointment, which is my holy grail, and also the original tinted balm. Yes. A couple of questions about those products. You've sort of touched on this as far as retailers, but from the consumer side, what was the initial response to those two products?
1: Um Amazing. Great. The first email I ever got was from a woman who ran the trucking business in Bendigo. Yeah. And she was like, Oh, thank you so much for bringing Lana Lena back. This is the best stuff when it's oh. cold on the trucks. And I just felt really happy because ultimately, at the very, very core of my brand, it's to be useful. Yeah. You know, it's to really properly be a useful product. I like to think of 101 as like the Swiss Army knife. Yes. It's not just about looking pretty. That's an added bonus. It's actually mm-hmm. meant to be used to cure your skin yes so that was great um i also got overwhelming reaction you need to make the tinted balms a slight nib which i was like yes i know but the whole slight nibs are so small and it gets really thick and hard and it won't come out there was all these reasons Mm. which eventually i solved but i got that like banging my head against a wall for about three years until i fixed that um but yeah overwhelmingly incredible consumers were just happy to see lanolin back and most of them didn't know why it had gone away yeah like the beauty world had given it a bad name. But the rest of the world were like, huh, where's
0: vinylin oh, for the last twenty years? Oh, there it is. There it is. Back now. It's <laughs> okay. Oh, <come> back. <laughs> With the 101 ointment, correct me if I'm wrong, but that to me feels like the cult product. Like that is that's where people get sucked right yeah. in, and then as soon as you've tried that, you are a customer for life. That simple. For those who are yet to be initiated into that cult. Can you explain the, I guess, the appeal of the 101 ointment and what it is to be used for? Where does the 101 come from? 101 uses, Gemma. So it's going to be a very long (laughs) podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But it's kind
1: of, we actually do have our document of 101 uses, but it was meant to be more figuratively, yeah. <laughs> you know, and also like, you know, when you say, oh, I'm studying maths 101, it was more about the basics of it, yeah. you know, so it was kind of a play on words between multi-purpose but also the, the best and the basics and just like the solid kind of what you need. Um, but the 101 ointment is works because it works yeah it's simple, simple as, that. as that people say how you know what's the trick just make a product that works yeah just make a product that does what it says mm-hmm. and I think that um brands can surprisingly get that so very wrong and I think brands forget that a woman buys something and they have to live with that yeah forever and they have thoughts about that product <laughs> over that period yeah and they are not always good thoughts you know and you will never get that customer back
0: Yeah, precisely.
1: On the flip side, if that product actually works, they will reach for it every day of their life Mm -hmm. and they will trust it forever and they will be so grateful that a product actually does what it says. Yeah. Because that's kind of rare now.
0: I mean, it's that you can have the best and most beautiful marketing strategy in the whole world and you might get. The first round of customers might be unbelievable, but if the product is not no. good, and they're I, not going to come back.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I agree. And I also think there's a little part of all of us that wants to believe the marketing. So oh, you'll yeah. give your products. I am
0: susceptible, yeah, susceptible and to you, it. And
1: you'll give the products a bit of a grace period. Yeah. Even if it's really not doing it, you talk yourself like mm-hmm. it is, yeah, I think it I think I see a difference. Like I really actually think. And then after a while, your body just knows. I yep. think there's this subconscious layer in your brain that calls bullshit eventually. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, okay. All right, I'll throw that out. It's now. done. Yeah, but hopefully yep. we never get to that subconscious part of the brain that goes, "You know what? You're not actually working." <laughs> well, I mean,
0: I've been on it since day dot, and Thank I haven't reached you. that. There so. you go. <laughs>
1: you haven't called when, bullshit on my front yet. I think we're safe. I think. I it. your brain has a. I think women's brains have a healthy level of wanting to believe the hype, but also calling bullshit
0: on it at the yeah, same time. Yeah, we're empathetic and then when we've, we've had enough... are just like, no. We know when to call it. No,
1: I won't be buying that brand again.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. We won't go through 101 uses, but do you have any favourite ways of using it, perhaps some unconventional ones? Yes.
1: My hack, my favourite, one of my favourite hacks is when you're flying and I yep. use it inside my nose. Because ah. you know how you will seem to get sick after you're flying? Yep. It's because the air conditioning dries out your nasal passages mm-hmm. and the mucus in your nose is designed to protect you from absorbing bacteria. Right. It's actually your protection. So when you're flying, your protection is gone. Mm-hmm. So if you line your nasal passages with the 101, then it gives you your protection back.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Right? Right. No brainer. What have I been
0: doing? Doing all your
1: life? Getting off planes with colds.
0: But even that. like even just the flight Melbourne to Sydney, it's not a long flight, but I still get off the plane being a bit yeah.
1: So to be always line your nasal passages with one or one. Well done, that's me tonight. Yeah. And also I use it on my cuticles when I fake tan. to yeah. Stop getting that build up. Yes. Um I mix it with cream before I had face base, my face creams, mm-hmm. I would mix We're it with whatever creams yeah. I had to supercharge them. Mm-hmm. Um I would mix it with my body creams before I had body cream. You can supercharge yeah. anything. Really? Yeah. It's like a little booster. The 101. It's a hydration booster, yeah.
0: Similar to your cuticle tip, I do it on my hairline when I'm oh, tanning. Oh, good good one. And also eyebrows because I get my eyebrows tinted and if you've got facial tanner on, the tint just goes right off. So I use it as like a barrier. Oh,
1: good one. Perfect. Mm. Nice. Thank you very you much. You tell me more. <laughs>
0: I'll just just send you going. an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> I um, onto the the tinted balm, I spoke to... Nicole from Glasshouse Fragrances recently, and something that um, that stuck out from that conversation was she was talking about the difference between creating a fragrance for the skin as opposed to the home, and that got me thinking about, I mean, uh, every other hmm. type of cosmetics. So with with the balms, you've got your one hundred one one hundred one ointment, which is pure lanolin. How difficult was it to start playing with tints? Did you have to to change anything or was it pretty straightforward?
1: Um, Tints were pretty straightforward because you're still working with what I call, what the industry calls an anhydrous formula, so it's Uh without water. Right. So it's just pure oils. Mm-hmm. Um, when it gets more complicated is when you're starting to work with the water and oil formula. Yeah. So when you get to, when you're formulating creams. So when I did my first hand creams, mm-hmm. because that's when you get into stability issues and when things can yeah. separate, um, and you need to gel the, all the ingredients together. You're literally mixing water and oil yeah. together and keeping them together
0: is a bit of a balance. So that's yeah. where a really
1: good cosmetic chemist's knowledge comes to the yeah. fore.
0: Good cosmetic chemists are worth their weight in gold. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, mm. they are. So that was a bit more of a challenge, getting a stable formula. And then once you've got water in it, it has to you have to have some form of preservative, whether it's natural mm. or synthetic, because water, anything with water can go off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it gets much more complex when you're working with water in all formulations mm-hmm. as opposed to anhydrous.
0: Well, we've since seen countless iterations of those original products, the most recent one being the Minty 101 Ointment, which is Minty, so exciting. I love Minty. My personal favorite is the Lemonade Lip Treatment. Oh, you're but a
1: classic girl. You know what? I am. That is one of my most favorite formulas Oh, it's so ever. good. It is a really,
0: really good formula. It's
1: so good. Um, you have good taste.
0: Stop it. Go. Keep going. With, I mean, you're, you're developing new things all the time. Are you constantly thinking about what's next or are you kind of working off consumer demand or is it a bit of both?
1: It is a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think it's 50-50. So yeah. I think listening, the whole consumer driven approach, we, we listen to our consumers and we just do that. I think that's a bit of a I think a lot of brands say they're doing that, but I know they're not. They're really not. They're saying they are involving the consumer. But um, they're making the consumer feel like they're involved. But um, I'm always trying to figure out what do I need in my cupboard that I don't have that I think I can make. It's not about creating a new product for the sake of it. Having said that, we do sell in retailers that need new products to generate sales, and that is a – um, that's just part of business. Like you, mm. n- we're all sucker for new things. These retailers are based on excitement, yeah. category newness, the new shiny thing. So you do have to play that game. Mm-hmm. To be honest, to be in those retailers, you have to be mindful of that environment. So we do products which I like to think create excitement, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. remain true to our useful, no nonsense aesthetic. So, yeah. for example, lip water for us. It's um, another phase. It was a beautiful um, product I love doing, um, but it was a bit more of that kind of, it was a bit shimmery and a bit pretty and a bit kind of more felt a bit frivolous. But that formula is like super high quality, hydro hyaluronic. It's acid. gorgeous. It's liquid lanolin. It's got the mineral mica. It's a mm. really simple but magnificent, elegant formula that's really like this drink of water for your lips. So I had fun. I have a lot of fun. Um, kind of patching together the useful part of being fun at the same time. I try to make fun useful too,
0: like properly useful. Yeah, yeah, I think you've kind of nailed that balance. Thank you. I could be wrong. This is back to me getting excited every time a parcel (laughs) arrives, but I feel like you guys have new things coming out so often, but that could also just be because I love the brand, so I'm like – Got your eyes open. Yeah, whereas there are other things that just kind of might – you know, not be on my radar necessarily. With the volume at which you're developing new products, do you ever suffer from creative block at all?
1: I can go for six months without a thought about a new product easily. I could probably go for a year without a thought of a new product. Um, But the minute I go, okay, maybe, you know, let's just think of some ideas. If I was to do something new, what might it be? And then it just flows really easily in. Like I had Mm. a moment the other day, I remember thinking, I can't think of anything I want to do right now. and Oh, is this going to be a problem? Mm -hmm. And then I sat down and I've always got a few kind of formulas in my cupboard that I had been developing for years, Um, little things that I've up myself or worked with my lab on. And suddenly I kind of like, huh, okay, I know exactly what to do with this now. This is perfect. Like I got really excited and it's something that I'm going to bring to life in the Mm -hmm. next sort of um, six to 12 months. So in answer to your question, um, if you have to force it, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, And it's not
0: hard. Yeah.
1: But you've got to kind of let it come.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask if you had any advice for anyone who might be like going through that block, but I think that's that's perfect advice. Just don't force it.
1: But I think there are some businesses that are a different. Um like I like I'm playing the long game. Yes. In my company and I always yeah. have. Whereas there are some businesses um that are playing that short game where mm. they just want slam it out hard and fast. What's the new trend? Let's get that out. What's the new trend? Let's get that out. That's different. You know, yeah. they need to go, okay, pink lazy trend, we've got to get a pink clay thing out. Whatever it is, unicorns yeah. are trends. Let's get our unicorn thing out. And that's fair play to them. Mm-hmm. That's their thing. So that's a
0: completely different business model to me, though. Yeah. Yes. Well, as evidenced by six <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. No, I, I mean, <laughs> no,
1: I, I don't judge. It's just not, it's not no. what, we, what we are about.
0: No. I mean, you've got to have a, you know, your business has got to have an ethos from day one and you've got to yeah. stick with that. Yeah. You're about the long game. That's, yeah. Yeah. Frankly, the way it should be. On those um, many riffs on the original products, have any fallen flat?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, we had a hand cream ironically would do really well today um Again, you don't enough, say. Like, where's that formula mm. it's it a hand cream with antibacterial oh
0: god
1: <laughs> and spf in it and it was awesome but it totally dot bombed and it was just too many things in one product it was too much for the consumer and i think I mean, there was a few things. It was too complicated. Yeah. And people didn't come to us for antibacterial.
0: They've got yeah. dead all for
1: that. And I get Infectory. that now. But as I said, I just, you know, I thought it was really problem solving and mm. clever and it was. But it wasn't what people wanted from us. And that's something that's really helped guide me now. Yeah. Is I don't do things that I don't think people want from us. Mm-hmm. That people will go to other some someone else for.
0: I mean, it's a nice way to, I guess, reconcile a a failure is the wrong word, but like maybe a misstep like that is just to say, okay, well, this isn't what people want from our brand. Yeah. It's a nice way of kind of reframing it. Yeah. They do not want that from us. Mm. Although so many of us are still calling it Lano lips. It's really Lano now because there are so many other products for the face and the body and the hands. How did you... I guess, make that shift into products for the face and body and how does the process differ from the original products?
1: So um, it's interesting because we had a body, we had an everywhere cream in the yeah. range in 2015. Mm-hmm. And for me, I want to, to create a cream. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to play in face. Yeah, and I also didn't believe. More importantly, I didn't believe face creams were really that different, okay. than creams for the rest of your body. And I still don't believe that, to be honest. There's small differences, but
0: mm-hmm. not as
1: complicated as it's made up to be. Yeah. Um. So I created everywhere cream to be every uh, face cream, body cream, everything cream, and I love that cream. Like it, to mm-hmm. me, it's actually it, it, it's our staff favorite. It's it's PR's favorite. It's a beautiful cream. However, um, no one used it on their face. Okay. nobody, like no one I know. And right. I, eventually my general manager said to me, like, Casey, unless it says face, no one's going to use it on their face.
0: It's yeah, like, I get oh, that.
1: Really? Oh, really? So I had to accept that and I do. So mm-hmm. um, in answer to your question, to make something for face, it wasn't about taking that cream and putting it in a tube and putting face on it. I actually yeah. had to um, and I wanted to figure out what made a cream, a face cream. Right. And what I spoke to my dad, who is my oracle of bullshit. and like, <laughs> You tell me the truth. What makes the difference between a normal cream and a face cream? It's the most
0: important thing any business Every can have person needs oracle. oracle of bullshit. Yeah.
1: Tell me the truth. Tell me how it is. And he said the main thing is if you're not doing... Um, acne treatments Mm -hmm. if you're not trying to do anti-aging stuff which is a totally different thing if you want a really 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 great face cream that hydrates and does all the right antioxidant things what you really need is a really heavy dose of vitamin e yep and what vitamin e does is or any antioxidant but look vitamin e is the uh, gold standard of uh, of antioxidants Mm -hmm. but any antioxidant all do the same thing to be honest i don't think that it's any much different to any other one um what it does is two things it and i'm not i'm sure you know all of this actually you're like smiling at me not. going yay <laughs> go on give me the skill no not all it, of it This is <laughs> listeners. there's only two things um it it um, protects your skin from the free radicals yeah in the environment and it stops oil oxidizing mm-hmm. and oil oxidizing in your pores goes black and turns into a blackhead yes it does so it's really as simple as that and um and i, mm. I made it a little bit lighter because yeah a cream was a bit rich for people so i wanted to be a bit more universal in strength mm-hmm. um and that was it and i think we did a beautiful job our day cream is our number one seller in face base. there you go and people really love it like really love it it's just a really really good solid elegant good quality face cream
0: thank you dad yeah Naturally, it's going to be different for every product, but can you give me like a general idea of how the product development process works and how long it takes from conceptualization through to it being available for consumers?
1: So, a quick NPD, NPD, new product yes. development. <laughs> uh quick NPD will be um, twelve to eighteen
0: months. Okay, quick. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's like if nothing goes wrong.
0: Yeah. If and how does it happen? You come up with the idea, and then so you come
1: up with the idea. Um, in some cases, I'll put together some basic formulas myself if mm-hmm. if I've you know if I've got the right things, and then I will send it down to the lab and then talk them through what what I want in it, what I don't want in it, um, what I want it to look like, feel like, smell like, and then they'll come back with some samples, and then it, you kind of do that back and forth until yeah. you get to an approved sample, and then um, at which point it has to go into stability. And then really everything's out of your hands. You just sit and wait and cross your fingers and hope that it doesn't fail. Stability, which um, often it fails. And if it passes, then you're ready to start to make your tubes. Yeah, you start to make your tubes and you start to make your boxes. And you've got probably from the moment of it passing stability to really pressing the button, you've still got another four to six months to having it in your hand ready to put
0: on the oh, shelf. I hope everyone's grateful as they <laughs> Yeah, this. enjoy that tube. That took a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So worth the time and the effort.
1: But stick, for example, just to mm. one more thing. Oh, stick was an exceptionally complicated one and, and so many iterations. I mean, that literally took – and it did go on the shelf for quite a few times. Like, it's all too hard it's going on the shelf. It's all too hard it's going on the shelf. That took five years, six years from God. my first stick to when we launched that product.
0: Again, um, worth it. Yeah, yeah, on. I do
1: love it. I'm so happy with it. But yeah, yeah. that's an extreme. Of where mm. it can take a while.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It is a global business now. You mentioned Boots earlier, but you've got a number of international stockists. How has being stopped stocked, sorry, globally changed the way you operate the business?
1: That's a really good question because it happened kind of. Um, it wasn't as change from one day to the next because mm-hmm. it happened gradually. So when we first launched in the UK I still ran out of Australia. So the mm-hmm. UK was just a shipment like we would to Priceline or Mecca, but we just shipped it overseas instead.
0: Yeah. Um
1: having said that there were a lot of late night phone calls. There yeah. were many. Actually, it, late night phone calls were part and parcel of my first five years of business. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a team in the US now as well on the ground who run my yeah. US business. So and We speak to them once a week. We have really detailed phone calls with them. We have to have a global view on the world, basically. Mm-hmm. We have to um, know what's going on. Everywhere we have to know where stock is on the water around the world. It's it's um, logistically it's very complex. Yeah, it's all the fun. There's no you know. There's very little glamour and fun about a global business. There's a lot of mm. logistics. You have to have spreadsheets. You have to know all that stuff.
0: It's like this sparkly goal that everyone's working towards. Yeah, you get it's like there. get that
1: spreadsheet out, honey. Mm. Enjoy lo- yeah talking to warehouses. That's
0: what you're doing. <laughs> Fortunately, I happen to love a spreadsheet. Uh, you've sat at the helm of for 11 years now although the concept came to you far earlier than that over that time what have been the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry the way we
1: communicate Mm -hmm. and everybody has that same answer um brands that really work have a chance now yeah that didn't if you had a product that worked. It didn't matter if you didn't have the budget to get on TV or get in a magazine 11 years ago. Yeah,
0: it was dominated by multinationals. You just pack up and go home. Yeah, there was
1: really nothing. There were no. There were very few indie brands.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and now there's an opportunity if a consumer likes your brand and they like what you stand for and they your product works. it's Fair game. Yeah, and that's a great leveler for mm. any industry. It's a level playing field and I love that. I love the fact that bloggers who are really talented writers can be at the top of their game now Mm. because they're really talented. That's a level playing field. You're not waiting for someone at the top to select you and give you a boost up. I love the democracy of it.
0: It's kind of the Space NK effect because before that there was not really a place for people to see these niche brands all in the one place. So it's funny that that's one of your kind of early. Earliest. Yeah.
1: Yeah, where I went to like pray at the
0: altar. Yeah. (laughs) No, I understand that. The first time I went to London, I just, I disappeared for a day because I was just. In Space NK. I know. You can't not if you love beauty. I know. It's like a magnet. I know. I know. So those are the changes that we have seen. What changes do you think we can expect to see over the next few years?
1: I think Gen Z is a really interesting generation. and I Which think one is Gen, Gen Z.
0: Z? This always confuses me. I might really? be
1: wrong, but I believe it's the TikTok generation.
0: Okay, yeah. As long as, yeah, when you say TikTok, I'm like, ah, oh, yes. Oh, those ones, yes. Yep. Uh, the e girls, that kind of
1: Yeah, right. so
0: oh, TikTok's very confusing to me.
1: It is. However, I've got um, a 17 year old niece and I was on a holiday with them last year and I learned a lot. And I, my kids are kind of that generation mm. as well. So I'm starting to really understand them really well. Because I never really understood millennials that well yep. because the, the, I just didn't, wasn't one of you mm-hmm. and I didn't have kids like you. So I had to learn you Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, li- I did, but I'm learning Gen Z much more organically. Mm-hmm. And what I'm learning is they have a, they're really, really funny and yeah. they have a very, very sophisticated bullshit detector. Great, which is interesting about in terms of how it's going to affect brands mm. and the level of bullshit they're able to spin. So I, oh. I, I'm wondering if, um, you know, there's a whole thing towards transparency and authenticity and that's just going to get greater and greater sustainability is a big buzzword yes it is having said that explain the success of carly to me then <laughs> yeah, so i do think there's that a is bit of beyond lip service.
0: anything i will ever be able to yeah, look, i mean i
1: understand the success of Kylie, but what i'm getting at is people say one thing and they do another so money Mm. they're still using their money to buy the Kylies and the non-sustainable brands even though they say they're sustainable so Mm. i think sustainability isn't the be all and end all of the future of brands i think in terms of our values it should be but in terms of what brands will win it's not the be all and end all yeah like it's not all about sustainable brands will be the future is yes but they also have to
0: work yeah God, now I'm just thinking of imagine Kylie answering the questions that you've just
1: answered. <laughs> me. Oh, 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 oh! You know, I have got a lot
0: of respect for her. Oh, same. I, I think the, the whole family are very, very clever people. Yeah, but
1: and and her brand worked because it's authentic. Like she clearly yeah. had a thing with her lips, right? Yep. She clearly wanted to make them look bigger, mm. and she clearly liked the matte lips, and that kind of was a perfect storm.
0: Yeah. No, I've got a lot of respect for them. I would just love to sit down and the business side of things. Just maybe, talk me rusty. through it. <laughs> yeah, one day. Just one day. Take me through this, Richard Charlie. We? <laughs> well, my final question: What is next for Lano?
1: Oh God. Okay, I've got um, I've got about. Four new products that we're working on at the moment, two coming up soon. Mm. Um, they're kind of um a spin on some current products, Wonderful. and then there's some products that are what I think is a fairly new, new for us category mm-hmm. as well. Um, so we've always got new products coming out because that's fun. Um, but also global domination. Um, we are we've had a huge two years in Europe in north america in canada um and we expect that to continue and i think my from the very very beginning when i launched the brand i had the cute sheep on it and i made it kind of kitschy and for me it was always designed to be a global brand it wasn't designed for australia Mm -hmm. so it was almost cultural cringe for australia and i i knew that at the time so for me i always wanted to be um you know a global brand
0: and that's what we're still heading towards that was Kirsten Carriol, founder and CEO of Lano, which you can find on Instagram at Lips. To read my interview with Kirsten, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at GemKWatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Global Podcast and thank you for joining me.